is it you want? Real estate. It's the Red Hot Real Estate Show, where we can all find out how's it going for buyers and sellers in the real estate market. I have died and gone to real estate heaven. Looking to move? Hoping to sell? Call in with your questions to real estate expert Mimi Shoneman with Remax Results. I'm going to go out and buy a house. Here she is, your host, Mimi Shoneman. Yes, she is here, Mimi Shoneman, your red hot realtor on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. I'm Ms. Shannon. Thank you for joining us again, Mimi. And welcome. Yes, yes. We're going to have a fun time today. Also with us from Amec Home Loans, Phil Olson is in the building as well. Hello, Phil. Rock it out. Yes. So Phil, Phil Olson is one of our mortgage experts. Yes. And He's so- smarter than a tack. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but I'll take the compliment. But you're also, I call you chief puzzle create a puzzle maker, because you can take all these different pu- uh, puzzle pieces and put them together for a potential person to get their loan taken care of and a mortgage happen. And you have a wealth of knowledge that not everybody has. Well, I've been in the business 15 years and I've worked for four different companies. The company I work for right now, you couldn't hire me away from them. Wonderful. I I love them dearly. Uh, And it just really comes down to my background is allowed me and working with so many different lenders and understanding so many different programs, guidelines, overlays that normally I have clients come to me frequently that says my loan was turned down or they can't do this. And I go, why? And they go, what do you mean? I go, well, I can do that. And that just comes down to my background, me being able to look at their puzzle situation and asking the question, what specific lender might that be a fit for? So what does that mean um, for people that are just listening, that they don't understand what goes into uh Getting somebody that's maybe difficult to qualify for a mortgage, what does that mean that you look at a, that you're a puzzle person? Okay, well, it, it really starts off with the application. Then it starts off with what are your short-term goals, long-term goals. Well, give us then, a for instance in that. Uh, for instance, what, as far as a short-term or long-term goal? Yeah. Okay, let's say the consumer says, uh, more than likely, uh, 3M is going to transfer me here in four years from now. And um, based on that, do they need a 30-year fixed? Do Maybe they would be better off with a 7-1 adjustable rate arm if they're for sure they're going to move. Uh, closing costs-wise, maybe we have the lender pay the closing costs because your break-even analysis is five years. And if you're only going to be there for three years, you come out as a winner going that specific route. Right. Um Program-wise, I mean, it could be the difference in they're saying, I, I'm i okay with an FHA loan knowing that my mortgage insurance is not going to drop off for the life of the loan, but I'm only going to be in the loan for four years. Uh, that FHA loan might be cheaper in the short run than basically based on a conventional loan. Let's say they've got a 654 credit score. Well, that would be a better loan FHA rate-wise than, say, a conventional. So I'm looking at all these different variables and asking very, very specific questions. And when I meet with a client, I always apologize and say, I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. But that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. Um, And it can be disconcerting. I think that when a lot of people might be listening and they've never talked to a mortgage person and some people listening might not even know what a mortgage is. Right. Um, And so uh, if you're a a super newbie, we're going to call you. Right. And you don't really know anything about housing and you're just thinking, you know, gosh, I'd love to get more information. Phil, what does what is a mortgage and why does somebody need to qualify for that when they're buying a house? 
A mortgage is a legal instrument. It is a loan, okay, to help the consumer purchase a property. It could even be a second mortgage, okay, which then is behind the first mortgage. Now, if you're a cash buyer, the only thing you need is to prove where's the money coming from on a cash buyer transaction. And you had mentioned before that when we say cash, it's, you can have this money, but it can't be money that basically was like sitting in a safe in your basement, you know, or something. You have to be able to go, here's how I got this most, cash. Most title companies, most real estate agents, be it the list or the buy side, are going to say, show me the money. Show okay. me the quan, so to speak, mm-hmm. like, like the movie yeah. Yeah, with Tom Cruise, okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, movies. Yeah, I know. Um, so the long and the short of it is a mortgage is a loan. It is a loan. By a bank or a financial institution. And it's secured against that principal property. That is the collateral that holds that specific yep. note. So if you don't pay back the loan, then they get to keep the house. Got so it. that's Correct. a mortgage. Correct. So let me just ask you this, Phil. I want you to give us your MLS digits real quick, and then I've got another question for you. All right, Phil Olson, NMLS two three eight one zero three branch NMLS three seven nine zero nine four company MLS one five zero nine five three, and those are our federal government licenses. Okay, now we can track you down. You could track me down. <laughs> okay. Yes. So here's what I want to know, and I think what a lot of people probably would like to know, without mentioning any particular brand or any particular institution. Mm-hmm. Why are you better today than when you were Phil Olson, day one, brand new mortgage guy? Well, when I got into the business day one, I was taught strictly refinance loans. Okay. And that was back, back in the heyday 15 years ago. And then I got into the purchase market about a year down the road. And my, my owners would say, why are you doing, why not, why not just do refinances? They're quick. They're easy. Uh, to be honest with you, I love purchase transactions. I love the the ability to give somebody the keys. I love working with the different real estate agents. There's there's far more knowledge that's required in working with that specific consumer. And and why am I better? I I would say it's because I I've taken this to it's a a trade. Okay, I'm a professional in this business. I read one hour a day, just regulations, rules, programs. Every single day, I spend that time doing that. And where where the cream rises to the top is I'm frequently in competition against other loan officers that are at credit unions, banks, and and they don't have that breadth of knowledge. Right. And when clients sit down with me, they go, "Oh my God, Phil, I've learned more in 15 minutes from you." Than I, than I learned when I sat down with the other loan officer. Because the other loan officer, I'm sorry to say, most of the time is just peddling product. Okay. I don't peddle product. I peddle a relationship and I want to know what, why are you sitting in front of me here today? I'll ask questions such as, so why do you want to buy a house? Now, <laughs> that sounds like it might be stupid, but I want to know why do you want to buy a house today? What are your goals? What are you trying to achieve? Because there's so many different programs of ways of doing things that I want to tailor make this experience for you. And I don't want you calling me back a year from now going, Phil, why did you do this to me? Gotcha. Yeah. So um, I think one of the things that I do want to talk about a little bit is what are we going to be covering uh, when we come back from our next break? And I also, when we come back from the break, I want to talk about all of those 
bandit signs and you ask yourself well what the heck's a bandit sign well we all see them every single day every time you pull up from the interstate or any street corner you see a sign that says we'll buy your house any condition any any age any style any anything and just call us we will talk about that a little bit but phil what are you wanting to talk about um about the mortgage I want to talk a little bit about real estate mortgage and Title 101. Okay. We'll cover some of the major mistakes that clients will have had or worked through, horror stories about there, about them. And what I'd also like is call-ins of clients out there or, you know, listeners that have gone through a horror story. And let's take a look at that horror story and then and try to figure it out. What could have been done better? All right. Uh, It's so important when buying or selling, you're using a true professional who have the experience, knowledge, background on real estate, title and mortgage. And to ensure all your angles are covered in that specific realm, if you don't do that, it could cost you a lot of money and cost you a lot of stress. So I want to talk some bloopers. Well, I tell you what, there's nothing worse than not being able to get your keys at the closing table and having the moving truck backed up yours and your sellers and mm-hmm. a couple other, tr- you know, trickle down. Yep. Um, so you definitely don't want to be in that position and you want to work with somebody who's going to make sure that you get from start, you know, A, you get all the way to, to Z and you close and you're happy. And I know that you both have some deals out there right now. If people are willing to work with you, if they call in here today or if they work with Mimi and Phil just to get their house to get settled. So you have some deals that are going on right now, Phil? If somebody works with uh, Mimi and myself on the buy side transaction, I'm going to give you $300 towards your home inspection. Wow. That's amazing. That almost covers the whole thing. That's awesome. Yeah. So make sure you keep that in mind. Also, if you have any questions, it's easy to get in contact us here. The number is 651-641-1071. That's 651-641-1071. We'll be right back here on the Red Hot Real Estate. It's the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071. Mimi Shoneman, your host of the Red Dot Real Estate Show and licensed realtor from Remax Results. Also, Phil Olson from Amac Home Zones this morning sharing some great information with you. Good morning. So, Phil, you've got some serious uh, whoopsies, if we'll call them, um, <laughs> that you're going to talk about today. So, I mean, I'm just going to let you roll, man, because you've got some doozy stories. Well, thank you. Well, we love bloopers when we get, whenever we buy like a, the, the DVD copy of stuff. A lot of times we enjoy the blooper side of that, or if you find those YouTube mm-hmm. videos. So, of course, these are going to be the fun things that you can live and learn through somebody else's mistake. It's fun mm-hmm. unless it's happening to you. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And so, Phil, you mm-hmm. told me a story, uh, I mean, just seriously it's like oh mg um tell the story about the eighty thousand dollar lien that was something Uh, else had a client called me recently did a refinance and then calls me out of the blue heard me on the radio show believe it or not and says that i want to sell my house i want to buy another house and i go okay and he just refinanced i didn't think there'd be any form of title issues or anything like that so I get the client pre-qualified, gather up all his documents. Nothing's on credit. Nothing's on title. We what does that mean? Nothing's on it. Title title has to do with what is recorded with the county as to who the actual owner of the property is. And if there's any obligations against that specific property, be it, it could be a first mortgage. It could be a tax lien. It could be a judgment, whatever the case may be. So 
we get the transaction about 80% done. And then I get a call from the sell side title company stating we have a problem. They have found an $81,000 lien against the home and the client was going to get about $40,000 back. All right. At closing from the sale of his property. But now that there's a secondary lien of 81,000, he's actually upside down by 41,000. How did they, what do you mean find? Like, like a surprise. <laughs> that's a lot of money Hello. for a surprise. Right. When they did the title search. Okay. Uh, the title company did a search and then the client provided them a document that said that the $81,000 was gone. Well, that document, which the client eventually sent me, was never recorded. It was never stamped. It was never stamped by the courts as being a valid document, which means that that $81,000 is still out there. Now, guess what? Because the, the mortgage company that did the refinance and the title company closed on the transaction, that second mortgage now is in first position. Meaning, meaning that if this house gets sold, they get paid first and the first mortgage that thought they were in first mortgage would get paid, but no, they'll get paid. It's $81,000 less. So are you, are you, are you saying, <laughs> oh, this is good. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. Like, so, so many questions, right? right. So are you saying that now that this is going to go into a short sale? Uh, what I'm saying now is this is going to end up in the courts. More than likely, the consumer is not going to have to pay the $81,000. The title company that's out of the East Coast who did the title search on a Minnesota property is now on the hook for $81,000. Because, what? let's just say, because they're on the hook because of title insurance. Well, the, the, the problem is, is when you get a refinance, you have two policies. You have an owner's policy and you have a lender's policy. Uh, had they done a purchase, the owner's policy would cover the title company. But since they did a refinance, it's only a lender's policy that covers the lender, which means the title company, based on their insurance O&E, is now responsible for the $81,000. Had they really paid the $81,000 off and it was just a paper they're, error? They're going to have to pay the $81,000 off because the mortgage, the first mortgage is for $250,000 and they're now in secondary position. I'm so glad you get to figure all that stuff out because those numbers mm. are making my head swim. But he here's crazy. The, good, the good thing is, guys, a lot of these bloopers that we're going to talk about, had the consumer worked with me, I've seen all these things. Okay. I know how to maneuver through all these things. I know who are the people to call to help out and get these problems rectified. Or if anything, I would tell the client, stop. Okay. You can't do anything because of this. The problem is, is they don't get that, that tutelage. They don't get that, that information or that knowledge. And they, they go ahead and do what they, they think is good to do. Okay. And next thing you know, it all falls apart into so, a giant mess. So can I just like say, this is exactly why we talk about these online big brokerages that you get commercials all mm -hmm. the time, but you can't walk into their office and shake their hand. Correct. Right? Okay. Yeah. And so and, maybe they're licensed to do business in the state of Minnesota or Wisconsin, but maybe they really don't know the rules and regs like they should here, mm -hmm. or maybe they're a new person. You don't know. 
Uh, maybe they haven't had any, you know, training or good preparation, like mm-hmm. what you've said that you've had through mm-hmm. the 15 years that you've been in business. And so what could have, what could have, how could this have gone better? What could have fixed this in the first place that would have not been such a, and so this was a nightmare for your client, right? It's a nightmare for my client, my staff, myself, all the work that we put into the transaction and we weren't able to get to the closing table, but I'm not going to put the blame on my staff or myself because this is something that, that should have been found out a long time ago. Before it ever even got to you. Like last transaction. Well, guess what? The last transaction, the refinance should have never never happened. Should have never happened. Correct. So what ends up happening is we now, in this transaction, there was, there was a buyer for his home. There was another sale transaction. So guess what? It not only affected the consumer I was working with, but it affected two other families. All right. And, and that's where it really comes down to, you know, is, is going cheap on the mortgage side or the real estate side or the title side, is, is that a benefit? Believe it or not, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm expensive. I'm not going to say I'm cheap. Our, our costs are very, very well within the range of all lenders out there. But are you working with a true professional that understands this stuff inside and out and has the ability to help you maneuver through some of these tougher subject matters so that way you're an informed consumer? All right. I, I like using the analogy. If, if you if you being charged with murder. Do you get a really, really good lawyer or do you go with a cheap lawyer? And right. I think most people will say, I'm going to get a very good lawyer. Well, guess what? You're talking about a two hundred dollars or $300,000 or $500,000 transaction that you're on the hook for because you've signed a purchase agreement. That purchase agreement is a contract. And that means you have to fulfill that contract. And this is where I see a lot of people end up getting into trouble because they haven't been guided correctly or have not been given the correct information, or better yet, your real estate agent, your title company, or your mortgage person didn't do the due diligence up front to ensure that there could be a successful and positive result. And so give some examples of what that due diligence might look like if for somebody who's never been through a real estate transaction. Okay. Real quick story. We got a boyfriend, girlfriend, they buy a house, okay? The boyfriend, girlfriend want now to refinance because the girlfriend is no longer with the boyfriend. All right. Now we have a problem here. We have two people that are on the title to the home. In that situation, even though the boyfriend tells me the girlfriend is going to come to the closing, I will specifically say, I want the girlfriend's name. I want the girlfriend's phone number. And just because you're telling me she's going to come to the closing. Right. No, I'm not going to take that for what it's worth. Uh, I'm going to call that person. I'm going to explain the transaction to them and I'm going to find out and get that buy in from that third party coming to the closing. Now my gut instincts are really good. Mm -hmm. If that conversation doesn't go really, really positive. Right. Now we've got questions. And the question is, is if the girlfriend does not come to the refinance of the closing, guess what? All this work we've just done is all for naught because we cannot close that transaction. So there's there's a blooper right there. Who's on title? Right. I had another situation. Had a family of four. The house went into probate. 
then what does that mean? Probing. Yeah, what's probing We're going from story to story to story. (laughs) We got to close up some of these stories. (laughs) (laughs) So the last one, let's just go back to the boyfriend-girlfriend thing. And then I think we will go to the next story when we come back from the break. But people think that all the time, Phil. They think that, well... You know, I'm just going to, yeah, we're serious. We're going to buy a house together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we break up, no biggie. But you've already, you've got like a a thing. It's, you know, it's it's basically a child. Your house is basically a child. You've (laughs) got to figure out how to deal with the child. You're not going to chop it in half and each of you gets half. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to figure out who gets the house and how you do it. And, (laughs) you know, and people think that you can go down to the courthouse and just do a quick claim deed Mm -hmm. and it's done, but it's not. No. And and in Minnesota, it's one to buy, two to sell. Okay. Remember one to buy, two to sell. Meaning that if you start out single and buy a house. And you become married. You both have got to sell that house. You both have to sell that house. Correct. And so in this situation with the two single people that Mm -hmm. bought the house, how did that end up? And ended up actually closing. Okay. And then how did they go about getting it to work? So you could have a really bad situation where boyfriend says, yeah, you know, girlfriend, we're, we're cool. And she's going to show up. But maybe the girlfriend doesn't know that the boyfriend's trying to refinance the house. Mm-hmm. How'd that work? Right. 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 You know, people think they're smarter than the, than well, the, that's the situation. When, I mean, that's when the title company calls me and says that there's two people responsible for this house. And I'll look at the title work and I'll see they're both, both names are on it. In this situation, there was no equity in the home. So the one, one boyfriend taking out the new loan, dropping her off the loan, didn't cost her anything, but they didn't like each other. So I coordinated with the title company to have her basically pre-sign the closing paperwork at the title company prior to my buyer, who's doing the refinance, coming to the closing at a later point. So it just really comes down to understanding the transaction, what is trying to be accomplished, and then figuring out the easiest way to make it happen for all parties concerned. Yeah, I think that, you know, there's a lot of things that I think that that make a transaction really more enjoyable and more less stressful, I guess is the, the right word, if you're, uh, you know, for instance, even going through a divorce, just mm-hmm. having the closings at separate dates, separate times can just make everything so much easier. You know, I mean, a lot of people think I'm just a loan officer. I'm more than that. I'm actually really a project manager. Right. right and now, I am a therapist. Yes. <laughs> right now, I've got currently I've got over 20 loans that are in underwriting right now. And I've got 20 loans almost closing here at the end of the month. Every one of these transactions is a living, breathing entity, and they're totally different. And there's totally, totally things going on differently. So what um, what hat I wear is I'm not only a project manager, but I'm also a firefighter, meaning my staff comes to me and says, okay, we have a problem. Here's the problem. Phil puts on his fireman's hat now and says, okay, this is what we have to do. We have to do this, 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 and this. And 90% of the time, I'm not even calling the client because the client, all they want to do is they want to pack. They want to, I want right. to keep a smile on their face. And guess what? If I'm able to re- 
get the situation resolved behind the scenes. It's not just me giving rates or closing costs or telling you programs. It's getting the consumer from point A to point Z the easiest, the fastest way possible. And that really cannot be done if you're working with somebody in the industry that doesn't have that knowledge. And that's where things break down. Okay, you're working either with a lender that's not a really good qualified lender, you're not working with a good real estate agent, not working with a good title, you're not working with a good loan officer. Any one of those pieces in the transaction falls apart or starts falling apart, the whole transaction falls apart. And that's where you have to rely on hiring good quality professionals in the business to ensure that they can get you over bumps if there's bumps in the road. Well, we'll cover more of that great quality information and also some more bloopers that people have already traversed when we return here on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. It's the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071. You can always find information on the Red Hot Real Estate Show if you go to MyTalk1071.com. Use the keyword Red Hot. Mimi Shoneman is our host. She's here with Phil Olson as well. What are we continuing on uh, in the rest, the next part of the conversation? Well, Mimi? I think, you know, we kind of teased the, the bandit signs a little bit. And um, what so, are those? Talk, tell me what those are. Yeah. Bandit signs. Those are those cute handwritten signs that you see at intersections that say buy a house, ugly house, you know, dumpy house, any yes. condition, call this number. Um, I'd love to hear from some of our listeners that have called some of these numbers and just to kind of see what their experience has been, because the bandit signs are oftentimes written by investors. Right, okay. Phil? I would agree. Yeah. Yep. And so what's an investor looking to do? They're looking to make the most money possible. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so why is that? Because it's just a numbers game to a regular investor. They're looking to pick up properties either to uh, maybe they're going to renovate them and sell them. Maybe they're going to fix them up a little bit, put some lipstick on it, and then they're going to rent it out. Uh, maybe they're going to level it and they're going to sell it to a developer for the land. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got people out there that are wanting to get, what would you say, uh, 30 cents on the dollar? 50, uh, 50 cents? I, I would probably say they're they're going to make you an offer no more than 65, 65 cents on the dollar at the max. Okay. And I think probably even lower. Uh, they're going to try mm-hmm. first. And so a lot of folks out there, I think that if you have had a lot of deferred maintenance you haven't done stuff to your house for whatever reason you haven't cuted it up you haven't taken care of the roof you you know that it needs paint you know that there's a lot of stuff that is going to cost a lot of money and you don't have it or you don't feel like doing it or for instance my friend is selling they're getting ready to sell their their mother passed away recently and she had a lot of work that needed to be done on the house Mm -hmm. and they're not sure they're going to be able to do it right Mm -hmm. and so a lot of times if you're if you're responding to some of these bandit signs you aren't giving yourself the full opportunity to try and find a regular traditional buyer um, and Phil and I both have lists and lists of buyers that are are willing to pay full retail within reason. Correct. And so if you are seeing these bandit signs, the first thing that I would encourage you to do is to give us a call and let us give you a second opinion. Um, because maybe we've got a buyer that says, I want to be in that neighborhood. And if you find me a house, I don't care what condition it is. 
I want that type of house in that neighborhood. And maybe we already know somebody that's willing to pay more money than what you are being offered by some of these investors. Mm -hmm. And so it bodes you well to give us a call and you can reach us uh, seven days a week, 651-578-2218. And Phil, how do they get a hold of you? They can reach me at 651-238-6748 or my email, phil at callphilolson.com. Yeah, and if you have a question this morning, it's easy to find us as well. It's 651-641-1071. That's 651-641-1071, the number for the Red Hot Real Estate Show. And so, Phil, um, you've got some of just the funniest stories sometimes. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. So um, you said that a listener called regarding what and what not to do on credit. And how'd that go? What'd you uh, do for them? That was uh, two months ago. We did a show on credit and what are the things to do and what not to do. And a lot of people think what they're doing is right. Right. So this this gentleman called me. And he said he listened to the show and uh, he said he wants, wanted to do a refinance and he was being offered an FHA loan. So he was already working with a mortgage lender and he says, but I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing. So the the client filled out the application and he had, he had a marginal score. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was an FHA loan, but I looked at it and I'm going, you want to know something? You doing this FHA loan is a disservice. I said, if you pay down these two accounts right here and we close this one account, I said, your score is going to go up well over 40 points. And he did that. Okay. Well, he then was hammering and hawing between myself and the other lender because he didn't believe what I was telling him. Okay. He eventually did some research on his own, found out that you want to know something, Phil, you're right. What ended up happening here in this situation is I saved the client over $30,000 in PMI over the life of 30 years. I was able to get him a very good interest rate. All right. His payment was actually, it was like $50 less than the FHA loan. But the key was in five years, his PMI on this loan dropped off, whereas on the FHA loan, it didn't drop off. So where I helped him rebuild credit in a short period of time, we did it in less than three weeks. He was able to get a much better product and he's, he's super happy. No, that's awesome. That is got some debts paid off. Yeah. Does that happen often that when you guys are working with potential clients, they're just a little skeptical about the advice that you give them? I would say yes. Okay. I would say it, it just really depends on what they've been told. Uh, where they've gotten the information. Sometimes they hear it from their best friend. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, best friend information is sometimes the worst information. <laughs> okay, because they're they're not comparing apples to apples. Okay, and that's really the key. Is if you're going to compare one product against another product, then you need to understand what are the pros and cons of both products and the costs and the value in both products. And that's how you have to do a fair comparison. Uh, a story, I had a client that, you know, was was telling me, why can't I have a first-time homebuyer program? And I'm going, well, there's specific criteria. And they said, well, my friend got one. And I go, all right, here's the criteria. I handed them the criteria <laughs> of the first-time homebuyer program, and I said, we don't have a 650-plus credit score here. Right. We have a 616. With a 616, Minnesota housing will not allow down payment assistance. You have to have a 650-plus. All right. So in the end, 
that client did some further research and they came back and they go, Phil, you're right. You know, that I'm here to provide a service to the consumer out there. I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly, but I'm going to present you all the options and factual information so you can make a, a good decision. So let's talk about a client that we both worked with together. Mm-hmm. Um, so this particular client uh, was pre-qualified for down payment assistance using FHA. Mm-hmm. So then this particular client and I start going out and looking for property. Well, we find property and we write offers on it. We're beat out, write an offer on it, beat out. And then I say to you, Phil, is there any possible way that we can switch this client from FHA down payment assistance to going conventional? Mm-hmm. Right. Do you remember I, this I, client? I remember this client. Yeah. Okay. Because sellers were not liking FHA down payment assistance. In fact, many sellers were saying no FHA at all. And so what you did, Phil, I'll let you take over the story and say what you did. Well, basically, I, I reanalyzed the loan. I asked myself the questions, what is it going to take to get this consumer to conventional financing? I then implemented a plan with the consumer, specific bullet points that we had to accomplish in a very, very short period of time. And I think if I remember correctly, Mimi, I think we had them qualified to go conventional in less than what? two to three weeks? Not even that, Phil. It was like a week. Um, Mm. And we had a lot of circumstances. So client was divorced. Client was collecting maintenance, um, alimony. Mm -hmm. And you can only collect alimony for so many years based on the age of your youngest child. Right, Phil? Correct. Once, Once your child reaches emancipation, 18 years of age under the state of Minnesota, uh, you can no longer count its child support income. Okay. Now, unless it's listed in the divorce decree that it would continue into it is post-secondary education, which most courts won't allow. Okay. Normally it stops at 18. 17, 18 years old. Correct. And so. But it's got to continue for three years from the date of closing. So if you have a child that's 16 years of age, and you're collecting child support on them, we can't count that specific piece of child support because at 18, it goes away. And so we were dealing with a lot of different components with this particular person because not only were they having to uh, go within the guidelines of their maintenance, they only had a certain amount of time that that they would qualify for that, but they were that was going to affect their debt-to-income ratio. Mm-hmm. It was also going to affect, uh, because they had had a short sale in the past, mm-hmm. How the timeline for that. And so when we flipped them from FHA down payment assistance to conventional, that opened up like a whole new world mm-hmm. uh, for us as, as real estate professionals because we went from like 2% available properties to like 90% available properties. Why and, if I rem- and if I remember correctly, you were able to find a property within five days and we had a contract after that yes, for the client. We did. Yep. And we we wrote smart offers. And so we got in with, with that new program and it was amazing. And then, you know, just this is kind of like putting like the little sprinkles on top of your cupcake. 
Um, then we went back to the seller after we got in as a conventional and said, would you allow us, now that you see that we qualify with conventional financing, would you allow us to amend the contract to FHA with down payment assistance? Well, you know, we had the house approved on that financing no, no matter what, but they did agree. And so that made the buyer be able to come in with less money take advantage of the program that they really wanted to use all because of the kindness of the seller. But, you know, it all worked out perfectly in this particular situation. But I think that the reason that it did is because both Phil and I knew what we needed to do to help this client when I wasn't able to help her find a house because it was FHA and also down payment assistance. Mm -hmm. Phil and I could talk about this because we knew what was going on and we could say, hey, what about this? Hey, what about that? This might work for her. Let's try that. And so that's what we did. And we collaborated and it it all worked out great. And it's great that you were able to put as you know, as we started the show saying, putting all these puzzle pieces together and come up with the proper final picture for that client. And I think that's one of the interesting thing. And I know I'm an anomaly because I hang out with you every week, Mimi, and I see you all the time, Phil, that I know how complicated some of these deals are from listening to you as a realtor and a, a mortgage professional who've been doing this for years and years and years. And so I do have, you know, people in my circle who are moving into the business. And one, I'm like, wow, you are a saint because this is a lot of work, I know, from listening to these stories. But I also think that it's interesting that, you know, even from my perspective, it's going, well, I know that there's some people that might be more experienced than them. And I think that you have to make the right choice for yourself as a consumer when you're picking a real estate and Mm -hmm. a mortgage professional. Mm -hmm. Exactly. One of of the things I, I like telling my friends and family is beware of the part-time professionals in this business, the out-of-state professionals, because they don't understand this market, they don't know all the rules and don't know all the regulations. And last but not least, I don't encourage family members to represent family members because I've actually seen those situations turn, when they turn bad, it breaks the it breaks that family relationship. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I, we have to give some more stories when we come back from the break about family relationships. Um, but I think, uh, what are some of the other things that you want to talk about when we come back? Well, I guess what I'd like to real quickly cover is is a couple uh, mortgage stories that I have here, and uh, kind of some do's and don'ts. Also willing to take your questions. Again, the number is 651-641-1071. We'll be right back on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Show here on My Talk 1071. Mimi Shoneman from Remax Results is here with us. Also, Phil Olson from Amec Home Loans. They've been giving you some information and some just some bloopers, some 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 horror stories that happened to other people, but that they were able to successfully navigate for these clients. So, exactly. So the thing that I want to make sure everybody knows that's listening, because we know that these stories can be embarrassing and they can be painful to you because you experience them and it it can be very very traumatic so if you have something that you're going through or something that you went through we'd like to hear from you even if you don't want to talk to us here on the air Um, call us during the week email us mimi at mnredhotrealestate.com or call phil olson 
Phil, at, Phil, tell them. Phil at callphilolson.com. Yeah, so you can get a hold of us if you want to talk about your situation. But you can also connect with us through the radio station here. And right. how do they do that, Ms. You can Shannon? always call 651-641-1071. 651-641-1071. If you, have, uh, if you need some information right now, you can go ahead and call. And our producer will make sure to get all of your information so that Mimi and Phil can contact you later. Yeah. And we also do want to remind everybody that... You know, this show is recorded, so mm-hmm. it's podcasted. So you can go to My Talk 1071 keyword red hot and pick up the copy of the podcast for any of the episodes. I don't even know how far back it goes. Right. So, Phil, let's kick it off with your next favorite story. Uh, next favorite story is I had a client that I had represented and have her completely pre approved, have all her documentation, and months go by. She hasn't found a house, and all of a sudden, I get a call, and the call is, is, Phil, I found a house, and I go, okay, and I need a pre-approval letter. I go, great. I go, but hold one here. Let me just re-review your application here real quickly with you to make sure that nothing's changed, and I go through her financials and, the, and her employment, and I get to her employment, and I go, you're still working for so-and-so? And she goes, yeah. And I go, you're still being paid that hourly wage? And she goes, well, no, I got a promotion. I go, awesome, congratulations. She says, they've now brought me on as a contractor. I go, okay, let me let me hear a little bit more about this. I go, are you telling me you're now what's called a 1099 employee? Versus a W-2 employee. She goes, yes, but they're paying me $30,000 more per year. Sounds awesome, doesn't it? Yes, it no, does. No, unfortunately <laughs> in my world, this is not awesome. Yeah. You know what? 1099 to a mortgage person is like a four-letter swear word. Well, I know. I'm one of those people that causes all those problems for you. employed yes. And I then ended up having to tell her, I'm sorry. Oh. You are either going to have to go back to your employer and go back W-2. If you decide to stay 1099, no, I cannot give you a pre-approval letter. And now you have to wait two years. So, you know, one of the things that I I tell people is when you get pre-approved with me, I want you to do nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Except for look at houses. Don't do anything else. Don't do I, I I like I know that you said it before is do nothing, but really what you mean is do completely the same thing that you're doing. <laughs> whatever's on that application, right. whatever's on that application, whatever's on credit. Yes. I want you to continue to pay everything. Right. If you're working 40 hours a week, I want you to continue to work 40 hours a week. If it's at $17.50, then it better be $17.50 or more. Until you get the house. Until you yeah. get TJ the house. Max, you yeah. don't need that card. Even if it's going to save you 15%, mm-hmm. don't do it. People, don't take, don't get a bunch of money from your mm-hmm. relatives on right. this without talking to Phil. So it's Correct. basically whatever you did to get approved, stay there until you get the house. <laughs> exactly. I, I mm-hmm. would tell you, I probably field one to two phone calls a week from existing clients that are calling me going, Phil, if I do this, am I okay? And that's what I tell my clients. I go, I don't want you to do nothing, but if you're going to do something, and you think it's going to have any negative or effect on your home loan, I want you calling me so I can walk you through the pros and the cons. Okay. Ultimately, it's it's the end consumer's decision as to what they want to do. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about probate. Okay. And what is probate? Phil, tell them what it is. Probate. All right. Probate comes into play 
It is a uh, a court word that has to deal when a consumer passes away. All right. And at that point in time, if there's no legal will in place, the probate courts and a judge will then determine with lawyers as to ownership rights of everything you own. And it could be a house and it could be cars and boats, motorcycles, all assets in the banks. Once you don't have, it is a will. It's got to go to probate, which means until the probate courts have determined ownership rights for everything, you cannot sell a house. Okay. Once probate is determined and they designate who the owners are of that specific property, it's at that point in time, do those specific uh, people that are now awarded this property, are they the ones that want to sell? So let's say there's two brothers and one sister. Sister loves the house, won't sell the house because mom and dad lived in the house and that house is special to her. The two sons want to sell the home. We got a problem. Two sons want to sell. One doesn't want to sell. You can't sell until all three say they will sell. Okay. But everything's basically put on hold until the courts determine who has ownership of the property. And so you had a specific situation where there was an instance where you had four siblings, correct? Mm-hmm. How'd had, that story go? Well, I had four siblings on a property and uh, they put the house up for sale. They were in agreement. And I had talked with all four and then they were going to use, one was going to use me to buy a house. And um, I talked with all parties and they all agreed that they're going to sell. They got the property up for sale. They got a contract on, on the house. And believe it or not, one of the brothers was buying a house the same day. So we were going to do a sell and buy same day. Okay. Two days prior to the closing, I get a phone call. We have a problem. My sister has decided she doesn't want to sell the property. I go, what do you mean? She has decided that she wants to keep the house in the family because that's what mom and dad would have wanted. But they already had an offer on the house. They already had closing in two days. Well, I'm closing on, on the, on the brother's house and we need the proceeds because the proceeds were going to be split for equally equal ways. Okay. And two days prior to the closing, I get the call from the brother. Then I get a call from the selling agent going, we've got a problem. I actually did get an opportunity to talk to the sister. Um, and that didn't work either. Okay. So in that <laughs> She's situation. She's like, no, I really no, meant this. Yeah. Uh, she really meant it. Yeah. And in the end, um, I don't know whatever happened, but <laughs> no. that that brother did not buy a house and that, that house did not sell. Oh, that is terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, those personal representatives, they that whole situation, you know, if you think about what your dynamics are right now while mom and dad are living, you know, and you put that on steroids yeah. for when mom and dad are not living, that is like a, a, a mix of a big soup there. Right. Um, so the best thing that you could hope for is that mom and dad would spell that stuff out. Right. And so if you're listening to this and your mom and dad know that the best thing that you can do if you love your children. Get a will. <laughs> 
is to put everything specifically in a will how you want that done. And if if you've got problems with your children and they don't get along in this life, you're going to have to pick somebody, if, even if it's not them, that's going to make these decisions because right. that can cost just I don't even know ex- so much money in legal bills. Plus, I mean, it doesn't bode well with with think about your grandchildren and nieces and nephews and how things go on after you're gone. Um, and, and the best thing to do is to have one person that's power of attorney that's going to be the decision maker that's going to kind of guide the ship. Right, Correct. Phil? I've actually seen situations where in the end, nobody got any money other than the lawyers and the courts. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Sad. It yeah. is sad. And mom and dad don't want that to happen. No, I, I don't no. think. Maybe they do. My dad might. I well, they so. brought it. We brought this up before on the mom show when we're talking about what you should do for estate planning, and that's one of the things that we say is that it's a basically it's a uh, a present to your children for you to take care of these things. So instead of looking at it like it's this depressing opportunity because I'm planning for my death, it's like no, I am releasing my children from having to deal with these things. Yeah, and you know it, the thing is is is. As much as you do plan, it's still going to be a lot of work, uh, even right. if it's as spelled out as it can be. I've seen I, I just this this spring worked with an amazing estate where all the, the siblings got along and they communicated well. And it was just still a tremendous amount of work and a lot of decisions that had to be made, even though things were spelled out really, really well. So um, if you're having issues with anything going on with real estate or mortgage, we encourage you to reach out to us during the week. And Phil, one more time, call Phil at, do it, Phil. It's <laughs> Phil at callphilolson.com, 651-238-6748. Yeah, Mimi at MN Red Hot Real Estate, and thanks for listening.